Oh, hey there. You caught me. I was here with my Triscuits. You know, the winner. Advancing to the final four, which, in my opinion, should absolutely win it all. Did you know that they were woven with chia seeds? Flavored with rosemary and jalapeno? Here, let me give you a little bit of background, okay? Our family has grown white winter wheat. It's harvested with care, woven together with seeds for, for you know, a delicious and flavorful crunch you'll be sure to love. Do you love Colby, Jack, or avocado? How about some sweet chili sauce? You can throw whatever you like on top of it. Yeah, I know, Oreos, and, you know, there's some other good cookies and other pieces, but there's just something about a Triscuit. You get home after a long, hard day, stressed out from either the MTA, failures, kids screaming at you. Maybe you've been dealing with a case that didn't go your way. There's something about biting into a Triscuit, that nice, hard, thick, layered. It's shredded and it's woven with wheat together with those chia seeds that's baked to golden perfection. In my opinion, it's made simply. And in your opinion, you should probably simply choose this to be your winner. Winner of the 2019 snack bracket. In my opinion, you should vote dullcrayons at gmail.com. Go for it. Don't hesitate. Good morning, boys and girls. Today, we'll be learning all about dull crayons. Good. Good to have you here. Mother of the pod. Dave, mother, MOP, mother of the pod. David, how we doing? Great. And now you guys have obviously been on on the show before. You've had your own snack reports. You know, you know, tasting notes, uh, you know, floral notes, bouquets, all the things that we want to address. Of course, of course. Of course, of course, a horse. Um, but you've we've, never we've read through the twelve-page tasting manual. Yeah, there is, there is. That's <laughs> right. We do, we do have a tasting manual uh, shortly to be released. Um, it'll be on bookshelves next to the uh, film snobs dictionary from the short-lived uh, Tangled Up in Blue podcast. Right. And the never released football snobs dictionary that they promised they would come out with. Right. But you've never done a bracket before, correct? I thought I had. I think I have. I, 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 we may have done like a triptych on your episode. We may have done some bunker like, episode on on a bunker episode. We may have done some like competitive snacking. I, 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 I won't. I think so. Okay, but we I, didn't do I seem March to remember madness. eating some Doritos on a podcast too in the bunker. I see. Well, no doubt, no doubt, we got some very good. I don't know Southwest if it was competitive. Snacks, it might have just but, been right, some tasting. Right, it might not have been. Right, it might not have been. Uh, Snack against snack. Got it. Right, right, right. right. Um, actually, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, we did some some serious Cheetos. No, I did those do... rounds, and you know. Oh, you did the pumpernickel rounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn, those things. Those are, are good. good. Oh, fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Steingarts. Uh, I think so. Like rye rounds or whatever those they were. Those were good. Pumpernickel. Damn, that was good. Um, but anyway. So we are going to get to some snack bracketing, and David, as you mentioned, uh, Doritos, you guys have chosen to be a part of this very special, brand new Doritos quadrant that we're doing here. Um, But before we get to that, we definitely want to get to some news. We'll do the first couple of rounds of your quadrant, and then we'll uh, we'll hit some fun play-related topics uh, for all those educators and parents and uh, students out there. Uh, But before we get much further, you guys pay attention to the news, right? He does. He does? David, you're, you you would qualify yourself as a, a news junkie, would you not? For sure. For sure. So you know that um, amidst the sky literally falling around the White House's ears. Yes. And the Mueller report being released and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, and the wall being shut down by 
of Representatives. Correct. Donald Trump still thinks he's in the driver's seat and is still making bold-ass budget claims looking into the future. Right. Right. So it would make sense then. It would be apropos for somebody as delusional as one Donald J. Trump uh, to announce uh, that he would slash the education department's budget by 10% Mm -hmm. uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is from CNBC.com. President Donald Trump's budget proposal unveiled on Monday would slash funding for the U.S. uh, Education Department by more than 10%. The plan titled, quote, I mean, there's got to be some irony in these titles, right? The title is called A Budget for a Better America. Oh, my God. I mean, I really wanted it to almost be like, uh, you know. uh, uh, Like Melania's Be Best. Be good. Be okay. Right, right. Pray for me. Right. Uh, what's what's the what's the Hemingway novel? What is it? It's not a call to arms. It's um, farewell to arms. A farewell to arms. Like that's literally the name of this. Like a farewell <clears throat> to schools. You might as well have called this that. A farewell to the money you used to be getting. Um, request sixty-two. So this title, this budget, requests sixty-two billion for the Department of Education, or seven point one billion less than the agency's allowance in twenty nineteen. I mean, now, for the record, I've never even heard of such a thing. I, I mean, I, I know I know that, you know, Republicans, not that Donald is one, even though he ran as one. I know that they're deficit hawks and they're, they're budget hawks. But, like, have you ever heard of anybody, like, lowering a budget? And bragging about and bragging lowering, about you know, lowering the budget for the do. Department of Education and bragging about it? No, they do that all the time. You have, oh, to, you because, have to understand that, and this is true on both sides, but you have to understand that when the White House presents a budget, it's not something that's actually going to happen. No, of course not. Especially when Democrats control the House, right. which is the which is the uh, appropriating body. Right. Uh, but it, what it indicates is what are their priorities? What, it, well, what right. do they value? And that's, and so, that's just it. Yeah. So, and so when you so when you increase... I'm surprised they didn't cut it even more. I'm surprised. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's actually Don't forget, low. it's in the no, freaking they, platform that they... They're supposed to be eliminating departments, and that's one of them. Right, correct, correct, right. Like eliminating they, the EPA. Which they right. haven't done. I mean, right. um, it's like the, the embassy in Jerusalem. Well, no, They've they, been promising it for years. They, you better be better watch out because they might well, actually do it sometime. No, no, no. You're, you're right that they haven't done it, and you're right that it was in their platform. But I think he's done everything that he can to create dumpster fires in all of the departments that Absolutely. he doesn't care about. Absolutely. Like putting Ben Carson in charge of HUD. Right. Like putting Betsy DeVos <clears throat> in charge of the Education Department. Putting a coal like, lobbyist in, <laughs> in charge, in charge of, of EPA. EPA. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. By having Rex Things Tillerson like on the cabinet. Like, like that. You know, yeah. right. By um, having apparently no defense secretary going forward. <laughs> Like we don't need that. Um, but so yeah. no, I mean, but but again, it's like okay, of course, you, right? You want to cut the budget to the education department because we're all really proud of what education is doing, right? In in our country, right? We really think that we're doing such a great job, and we're spending too much on it, probably. So we should definitely well, look for savings in that area. Well, look, if we're doing such a great job, then maybe we're pretty much done here. Maybe we can close <laughs> it up. Close up. Shit. Education is all fixed. Well, if there's, right? uh, well, it is, it is, and yet at the same time, David, <laughs> at the same time, there is this weird outstanding debt. So even if we're going to close up shop tomorrow, there is kind of this weird outstanding student loan debt. I don't well, know if you guys are familiar. Well, with that's this. different because look, well, once the house, once you finish building the house, you still have the mortgage to pay, right? I understand, but, but the house is done. No, you don't I, have to deal with it no, anymore. No, 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 but, but, but no the, more but, budget for that. Right, but the, but the Donald does have a budget for that, even if he is closing up shop he right. does have a budget for that he's he's decided he's going to fix that he said we've got a really big problem with student loans oh he's going to work on student loans yeah he's got solutions oh god oh you don't know the solution <laughs> well look oh if it's anything like the solution they have for health care david you're going to be surprised it's a lot like the solution they have for <laughs> so the cnbc report goes on yes the budget eliminates subsidized student debt in which interest doesn't accrue on the loans while borrowers are in school or in economic hardship. It also reduces the number of repayment plans for borrowers and scratches the popular, if challenged, public service loan forgiveness program. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so so no more subsidies, 
they're gonna there there's only gonna be one repayment plan and there's no public service loan forgiveness. Now that's that's the bad news. That's the bad news. Yeah. Okay. Now the good news is uh, this this I'm I'm also editorializing because I read a Forbes article on this recently. And the way Forbes characterized this was like, oh well, it's taking away forgiveness for public service, but it's giving forgiveness to everybody. So let's get and how to the does that work? Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly how it works, David. Okay, quote. This is from Betsy DeVos now. We have also reaffirmed our commitment to spending taxpayer dollars wisely and efficiently by consolidating or eliminating duplicative and ineffective federal programs, said Betsy DeVos. So, again, we're going to give less money, right? We're going to give fewer dollars to students. We're going to give them fewer options to repay. And we're not going to give anybody special treatment. The plan would narrow the numerous income-driven repayment plans, which caps people's monthly bills at a percentage of their income to just one. Under that option, students would be limited to 12.5% of their discretionary income compared with 10% now. Any remaining debt would be canceled after 15 years for undergraduate students and 30 years for graduate students. Then it goes on to talk about the federal work-study program. So again, if you're on an IDR, and by the way, there would only be one IDR, and it would be worse than the current IDR now, right? Because you'd go from 12%, 12.5% of your discretionary funds to 10, uh, 10, 10, 10 to 12, 12 sorry. sorry. And if you're on an IDR now, and say you have public loan forgiveness, you're done after 10 years. In this one, if it's undergraduate degree, you're done after 15, it's a graduate degree, you're done after 30. So everybody gets forgiveness. But it would be everybody, not just public. Everybody gets forgiveness. Everybody gets forgiveness, right? That, that sounds good, right? Sounds like it makes sense. I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, okay, so then let me give you some numbers. If, if it's hard for you to understand, Ellen, because I, I can understand how it might be difficult. I don't understand how 30, you know, you're still paying it off for 30 years. Right, so let me explain. So David knows, because he and I addressed this in our previous episode about um, about student loans. David knows that when I took out my graduate degree loans, right, right, which are on me to pay back, <laughs> right, uh, it was seventy-two thousand total, and after five years of paying it back on an IDR, it's seventy-seven thousand now total. It has gone up in that time, right? Okay. Now we're Donald Trump's budget to pass, and as David says, this is just you know, pie in the sky. This is not something that they actually expect to get done. But it's, you know, were this to happen, I could look forward to paying my loans off at about like $475 a month for the next 25 years, right? Because I've already paid five years. I'd pay another 25 years. And the total of it would be, I'd pay about $142,000. That's wacko. Now, the weird thing is, I wouldn't have paid it off yet. That's right. But it would be forgiven. But it would be forgiven. Well, do you know how much would be forgiven? No, that's how, much would, how much? Uh, it would have ballooned from 72000 at its start to 105000 after 30 years. But I would have paid off 200% of the loan that I took out in the first place. And this is a simple solution, correct? This, this, is, is, the, this is the best of all worlds. We've narrowed you down to one. We've given you the so best the, possible circumstance. The completely, you would be replacing your completely wacky 10-year plan with an even wackier 15-year plan. And 30-year plan. And a 30-year plan. Now, the 30-year, I, I love the concept of the 30-year because you got to figure that someone's at least someone's, 25 when they leave graduate school, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Or more. Or, or much, average, much older. Or much right. older, but let's say 25 to 30. Sure. Add 30 years, 55 to 60, you'll be approaching retirement age and you'll still be paying for a ballooning, loan. You know, a, a ballooning debt. A ballooning debt. But right. you know what else I love about it, dude? You, you, because you brought this up in the last episode. We, we, we equated the student loans to, to a mortgage. Um, it, it will, it, we didn't equate them, but we put them side by side and said, how come we don't have the same rates, the same interest rates on a student loan that we have on a mortgage? And I have to wonder that somebody thought, like, 
that like Donald Trump being a real estate mogul was kind of like, well, mortgages are 30 years. So what if we made student debt 30 <laughs> I'm years? I'm sure. Like, that makes sense. We'll keep the interest rates at 7% and you can pay 12% of your income. And this, this will work perfectly. Solved. Yeah. Solved it. Genius. Uh, genius. So uh, we all have not that to, to mention, look forward to. Not to the, mention the, the fact the that. Total, the total unequivocal elimination of student loan debt we all have to look forward to in, uh, what, uh, 2049? No, I was going to say, not to mention the fact that between now and 15 years from now or 30 years from now, you're still subject to the vagaries of whatever administration comes in and decides to institute a brand new plan. Obviously. A better one, a worse one. Maybe Elizabeth Warren comes in and gives you a really great plan, but then she gets kicked out and you get President Pence who gives you an even, I mean, it's like you're just being batted around like a like a tennis ball. Yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's the, that's the sort of accelerationist pendulum swinging proposal that we're living in. I mean, the, the, you know, I think, I think you, you put it well in that, in that regard and others have said it too, that like, even if, even if you get a great president in 2020, you, you get the best pick you want, you can't nearly undo the harm that has already been brought and the fact that we're we're so divided that this is just going to keep as you put it every four years it seems pretty obvious that we're just going to swing back and forth back and forth well that there's not I'm saying be... there's the risk that you do uh, i'm not saying i'm not predicting that i'm oh, just saying fair. you can't the i the whole concept of there's no taking out a loan that is going to take you decades to repay at least part of the concept is supposed to be that it doesn't change. Right. Like nobody comes in and generally changes the housing laws so that your mortgage loan just suddenly becomes something you do or don't have to repay in a certain amount of time. But with student loans, it's like they're constantly, I mean, yeah. It's kind of like buying a house on the edge of a volcano. <laughs> yeah. And just, uh, you know, maybe the volcano was dormant for 30 years. Maybe it was Mount St. Helens. But, uh, you know, you're still on the edge of a volcano. <laughs> Why would you do that? Um, anyway, uh, to get to funner topics than this, because we're all about fun on the, on the podcast, uh, and once again, you are in the crayon box with the nubs. Uh, we're going to do the... Gonna do nubs. David loves the nubs. We're going to do... That's the first time I've heard about A nubs. snack bracket for you. This is not only a Doritos bracket, and a, a, who's the producer of Doritos? Well, I guess it's PepsiCo. Of course. Not only a PepsiCo quadrant. Isn't it? This is an international quadrant. Explain. Because these are snacks that were procured in Baja, Mexico. Oh. These are snacks from south of the These are the TSA border. approved snacks? Is that what you're saying? South of the wall. These are TSA smuggled snacks. Can you wait? Can you get these same exact ones? Like I have never in my life seen these snacks on oh, really? wow. soil. Okay. Uh, this so, is an exciting bracket. So we're really hoping to blow the fans' minds out there. Okay. Um, and introduce them to such chips as Doritos Diablo. Mm. Spanish for devil. Uh, Doritos Incognita. Anyone care to translate that one? Unknown. In disguise. Mystery. Unknown. Yeah. Um, we've got Cheetos. Oh, we tore this one open. Palomitas. Can I see? I have it? no okay. idea. I, I don't know. And we've got Cheetos Shots. Now, these shots I'm very excited about. Obviously, nothing to translate there. But they are, speaking of nubs, David, they are literal Cheetos nubs. These no longer resemble the shapes of Cheetos at all. They are like if you took from the bottom of every Cheetos bag in the world and just put them all into one Weird. tiny Also, pouch. they come in a little packet that looks almost like a Cadbury bar. Right. Yeah, they, look, they look like candy, color. but they're not. Right. 
I mean, the package looks like candy. Yeah, it's 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 just like a shot. Like they they are themselves little shots, but it's also like you could take this entire bag as like one shot. Uh-huh. It, it's it's kind of, it, it it looks and feels kind of like just pouring the flavor crumbs, you know, at the bottom of a bag into your mouth. Like it's that kind of appearance. Well, the little tiny popcorn kernels that haven't quite popped. Right. So. As you know, bracket-wise, we're going to be facing these chips off against each other. Uh, Doritos Diablo and Incognito will face off, and the two Cheetos will face off, and then we will uh, take a break, do some more news stories, and then come back to you with a final winner coming out of this quadrant, the chip quadrant. So so how are you serving these up here, or what? Yes, please. Uh, we're going to start with the uh, Doritos Diablo. Now, is this like a wine tasting? Do we chew them and then spit them into a bowl? Uh, so that, that, that is some, well, look, some people's tactics. I mean, I am looking at the texture and the color first. Well, talk to me about texture and color. You're both holding up the Diablo. Okay, well, it looks it's... kind of like a, a construction product. That it's you, so like orange. You put on a wall. It's, it is kind of, yeah, it does look like, it does look like something that you would make mosaics out of. Or, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what strikes me about the color, as you both hold it up, is it's 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 not even as though it's just like an orange cheese color. I feel like the chip itself has been dyed orange and then also been dusted with an orange color. It's like a little cardboardy tasting this one. Okay. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. A little. It's cardboard in texture okay. compared to other chips that I, I that I have. I see. Eaten. It lacks a certain crispness. Okay. So there's something off in the texture, in the feel. In well, the no, there's feel. like a thickness to it. Okay. Yeah. But thickness isn't the flavor. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> but the thickness <laughs> is definitely the texture. <laughs> but I right. don't. I don't dislike it. Okay. Now the incognita, as you hold them up, is. It's is not orange. Brown it's or brown. Purple, odd chip color. It's. In terms of thickness, though, it's more of a traditional Dorito. Okay. Okay, totally I don't... So better, better mouthfeel. What about the flavor? Much I, better mouthfeel. I don't understand the flavor on this. Like, I want to know what spices are in it. It's like... Well, again, you, you brought up wine tasting before. They don't give you the flavors that went into the wine. Well, Usually <laughs> they just say it's a red. No, or no, but they, it's they say things like, you know, citrus finish. No, or... you say things like that. <laughs> You're supposed to look for the notes. I, I what can't stand notes this are you getting? This note you can't nasty. Stand. It's a sour no, I don't note. Like it. it's, a, it's a bad I, note. I, I actually think they're sour tasting. <laughs> I'd rather go for the cardboard ones. I'm a kind of a vinegar thing going okay. on because when you have a potato chip that's a, you know, vinegar mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. salt and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And Which is a very desirable chip, as I, as, as, as studies and, have shown. Uh, you know, and, people, uh, people go for the salt and vinegar. And some, you know, hot pepper. There's definitely some heat on that one. Yep. I mean, uh, I, I would characterize that chip as more flavorful than the other one, and yet Mo has decided that the. I, you know what? I would prefer. Now. I would prefer this one. The Straight orange cardboard. One. You know what? Cardboard this is, this is better. One's, this one's a mystery. It's definitely a mystery. I mean, it comes in the black bag. You know, I'm struck actually now that I mention this. The black bag. It, I, I'm struck by the color of the bags. The, the Diablo, again, the most orange chip that has ever been witnessed, is in a straight orange bag, and then this Incognita is in a black bag. Comes off a little brown or purple, and it's like a mystery flavor. I mean, I just there's something very literal going on with Doritos right now. I just at least to, in Mexico. I just have to note for you that every all the wording on the package is in Spanish except for the the key phrase. For the bold. So, Helena, we can't we can't claim you among the bold then, since you have no, I'm not, decided I, against I, this shit entirely. I would be happier with that nice safe cardboard, safe cardboard in the orange color. Okay. And this one just I, I think is nasty actually. Okay. I'm, voting, I'm voting against cardboard and four hot peppers. So. Okay. Well, as 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 members of of the Cran Box know, all ties are broken by wife of the pod, Pauline. Right now, you're going to go to the other side of this quadrant okay. with the Cheetos, 
paramitas, which it which should it, be noted. It's a, it's a popcorn. It's a popcorn. Thank you. It is a Palomita. Palomita. Oh. It's a Palomita. <laughs> I can't stand this thing. Okay. <laughs> Very strong reaction from now. LP this right tastes like gate. dirty socks. <laughs> First ingredient is maize, gym socks, maize palomera. Okay. So, could it, what is palomera? It's horrible. What does palomera mean? Just taste one. Maybe I just want to know. Maybe exploded or something. I don't know. You know when you open up an old-fashioned vacuum cleaner and there's a bag, <laughs> and the bag has stuff in it. If you were to taste that stuff, I think this is what it would taste like. He is so right. Except it does taste like... But why would you taste that stuff? Why would you want to do that? It tastes like dirty socks, which I also have never tasted, but... So then the two of you are agreed without even tasting the hot That's right. So whatever, whatever else you got, it's going to beat that. It has to... I mean, it's possible there's something worse in the world. It's weird. I, I did have a bag of freshly clipped... Uh, Lawn, uh, lawn shopping. Well, I don't know. Those Wait. at least are natural. So the shots in a nice purple bag. Cheeto they're shots. Very, they're very Cheeto orange. Cheeto shots to be. I mean, I, I, I still. <laughs> they look like. I, I, I don't love them, but they're they definitely beat the you know. They look like the gym socks. Irradiated. Don't eat all of those. Don't put those all irradiated. In your mouth. Uh, don't they look like pork rinds or well, something? Well, now you're saying irradiated. I, I want to say irradiated nerds because they look mm -hmm. like overgrown nerds. Mm -hmm. that they do. That you, as you poured them into your palm there, nerds that have lost their well, sweetness and their crunch. You know what? They would have won even against better, stiffer competition. Yeah. They definitely win against dirty stuff. They are, they are, to be right. fair, they are flaming hot flavored. Um, yeah. So they, they are tasty. They've got a good spice to them. They've got a great Crispy. crunch because they're those little shots. Uh, yeah. All right. So you guys are definitely putting uh, flaming hot shots, uh, Cheetos shots, through to the next round. Yeah. Uh, We're going to come back after a short break uh, <coughs> with more news stories notes from Pauline as to whether Diablo or Incognita are moving on. Uh, yes. And of course, the uh, the winner of this quadrant, more on the other side. Very exciting. Even so much sanitized. It's, it's, Stories don't all, it's, can't always be safe. Safe. No, no, no. It's, Stories it's, can't always it's, be pleasant. And nice. That would be boring. It's um, like a sanitized playground. It's antiseptic playground. Right. It's, antiseptic. It's like right. yeah. Wait. It's so like the Care Bears are an antiseptic story, but <laughs> Raul Dahl right. is scary. Right. On certain levels. Right. Very scary sometimes. But yeah. then, but then, and I then Marsha was talking about how many stories start with dead mothers. Not just family. Pretty much all of them. No, every Disney story. I mean, almost every Disney story. And almost every Grimm's fairy tale, too. With dead parents. Dead parents. Dead parents. Yeah, Not necessarily she, she was mother, talking about dead, dead parents. parents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Lion King is dead parents. You're right, you're right. Frozen is dead parents. Like, what is that shit about? Yeah, it's all dead parents. Um, and kids well, love them. It's easy, it's easy to figure out what it's about. No, no, no. What it's about is very easy, right? Because if we're going back to Hamlet, which is what the Lion King is, it's Hamlet. It's very easy. It's it's 
how do I get into my own narrative, right? How does my narrative become my life? Right. Un unless I am freed from the shadows of my it's being of free my to create parents, your own right. Of my matriarch, of my patriarch, until I am freed from that, you know, from what they have dicted or, you know, from what they have, you know, put forth, I can't shine. Once they're gone, then I get to shine. And then it makes perfect. So, and, and again, when we're talking about Disney, we're always talking about actual folklore, right? That's been just co opted by Disney. Or mm -hmm. not folklore necessarily, but Chris, what is it? Um, Van, whatever. Whatever the fucking Allsburg. guys. No, not Allsburg. I mean, Chris Van Allsburg did not write every Disney story no, no, before he didn't it was write written. Any. No. Uh, Hans Christian Anderson. Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> thank you. Call him Chris. For or, short, obviously. Or the Brothers Grimm. These, right, so these are old stories. These are old ideas. That's a very old <laughs> understanding of individualism and of independence that, you know, people had shorter lifespans. You became an adult when you were 16. Your parents died when they were 32. <laughs> right. You were already an adult. So having a dead parent is right. Was part status. Of the, just part of the course. <laughs> it was dope. No, just part of the course. Everybody's yeah. parents were dead by the time they well, were twenty. Right. Exactly. Right. Anyway, um, okay. no, but it's fascinating. But I mean, the other thing that your your discussion brings forth to me is the idea, and we've talked about it in the past, that kids like to be spooked. Mm -hmm. Kids like to be scared. Yeah. There are yeah. plenty of studies and articles about this. Um, the the Mercer Meyer books. Uh, there's a monster in my attic. There's a something under my bed. Right, right, right. Kids love this shit because because they, they like believe that in idea. it. They believe in it. Well, right. They believe in the magic. I thought there was a witch in the bathroom. But also, <laughs> that's why I couldn't get up. To I guess you were the watching The, the Shining <laughs> too much as a child. Um, but they not only do they believe in the magic and they believe in the fairies, but they also. Like, there's there's a great sensation to being scared, right? It's like, it's very tangible in a way that, like, they don't want to feel sad. They fucking know what feeling sad is like all the time. But there's excitement to scare. The mm -hmm. same way that, like, adults want to watch also, horror you can, movies. And also, you can over, you know, you can feel like you've conquered it. Exactly. Right. right. Sad you never right. conquer. Right. You don't conquer sad because you know sad comes back. Right. But but fear is, right, it's this totally, you're exactly right. It's this, it's this instance of something it's something very discreet that you overcome and then you're like fuck that i'm not movies, even afraid of that anymore roller coasters jumping out of airplanes jumping out of airplanes we don't yeah. let kids do that. Uh, the adrenaline. I mean, it's that's what it is. It's but no, we don't like kids. His point is the adult versions of these are all these like adrenaline pumping things that are the same as what we're saying for kids, right? Coming the idea fight. that like. There's a monster in your closet, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna turn a flashlight on, you're gonna go in there, you're gonna like be bold, you know, your heart's pumping, you're a little bit, whatever. And meanwhile, you're actually not doing any of these things, you're just literally reading a Mercer Meyer story, and you're like, oh, awesome, I beat the monster. All um, right, so, I mean, it's not completely off topic, because the playground thing, I just think there's a parallel there. Which is fine, because I've been recording this whole time. Um, so, we are back, and we're going to be talking about two New York Times articles uh, that I think, uh, full disclosure, full transparency, uh, here on the Dullcrans, as you know, we're, we're a co-op, and uh, you know, we share ideas, share IP. Collective. Uh, total collective, uh, share proceeds, you know. Um, and uh, I believe that... Yeah, you haven't sent me my Patreon. <laughs> Yeah, Patreon's been running a little slow these days. Um, but I believe that each of you sent me one of these articles as topics. Yeah, I know, I know I did. So we're going to be, well, yes, and David, you sent the other one. So we're going to be discussing these, uh, which you yourselves have already read, and I'm going to get to the heart of. And as Ellen already disclosed, these are both play-related topics in the 21st century. Uh, the first one is uh, both from the New York Times. This is... The Case for Creative Play in a Digital Age by Perry Class, MD. I'm going to skip a few of the intro paragraphs where Perry talks about um, all the toys that 
they loved as a kid and how you can find them on eBay and blah, 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 because that's not important, and get to the meat of this. The American Academy of Pediatrics recently issued a statement on toys, advising parents of young children from birth to school age to go for higher quality traditional, that is physical, toys rather than elaborate digital ones. It discusses the cognitive and developmental advantages of toys that give children scope for imagination and invention, and above all, toys that encourage play that brings parents and children together. Dr. Alia Haley, uh, an assistant professor of pediatrics at Albany Medical College, who was a co-author of the AAP statement, said that the most essential message for parents was the importance of relationships in the lives of young children. Quote, the less bells and whistles a toy comes with, the more it lends itself to creative play and imaginative play, she said. The more the toy can do on its own, the more distraction it lends itself to. Uh, again, then Perry goes on to discuss her own feelings about this, and I couldn't care less because the... It, I think Perry is a male, but it doesn't matter. No. It, per no. Perry's female? Mm -hmm. I, ne I never knew this. Really Perry writes articles for the Times all the time. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to look that person up. But uh, the meat of this being that uh, obviously we live in an age where more children are exposed to screens, tablets, and phones uh, as young as, I don't know, 10 days old. However old you get out of a fucking ICU. I was going to say six, <laughs> six months, but you're probably right. I'm probably right. I'm probably right that as soon as a kid is out, what is it? Out of the nursery. Out of the fucking nursery. Yeah. Uh, in whatever. They're already like reaching for something. Um, and their parents are already handing them something. But this this certainly speaks to something. Yeah, on the way out just... of the hospital, you hand the kid the phone. <laughs> and the kid automatically takes it and knows exactly what to do, I'm sure. But this speaks to something that is that is uh, that is not just a nostalgia piece of like, oh man, let's just get back to blocks and like coloring with crayons. But like we're actually talking about doctors and scientists saying I yeah, said that just give good. the kid a box. Okay. Give them the box that a toy would have come in. Right. And, I mean, I used to make things out of boxes. Right. Not as a child, but as an adult for my children. Right. And, you know. Well, and we all, we all know that babies love to play with the wrapping paper of right. the Christmas present more True. than the, you know, bop it that was inside the wrapping. But, but they're saying even as old as school age. I mean, they're... I, 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 I don't want to speak for them, but I think they're even talking about getting as high as like 10 years old, but playing with, you know, actual action figures and dolls and blocks versus having, you know, their Xbox controller. Well, I mean, your generation played with those things. Played with what things? Uh, you know, figures and dolls and... Absolutely. But I, I mean, I think that... that children now, well, I'm only thinking about one four-year-old who I know, plays with things on screens or complicated digital things, but also plays with physical toys mm -hmm. and does a huge amount of imaginative play. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there might, you could probably have both, but technology, people are wowed by technology yeah i i think the call for both has always been out there but like that's always mm -hmm. been a fight that's like kind of a losing fight the but, you idea know, the of like moderation the technology ones are, are neater like if you want to keep your house clean right you don't want a whole bunch of blocks thrown all over the place oh that's definitely or that's definitely what your upper east side moms dollhouse toys is, or is, Finger paint? Why the fuck would I do finger paint when I could just give them paint, you know, on Mac and they can just literally paint on the screen? Like... David Hockney does it. Yeah, what, excuse me, we've talked about David Hockney's uh, expressions on iPads before and the fact that, yes, when you are a an accomplished artist and an 80, 12-year-old man, like... You, you get to do anything you get to do any fucking thing you want when you have your own exhibits in uh, MoMA and the Met you can really do anything you want you can write your own ticket anymore. it's true yeah um, <clears throat> but I don't know 
I'm just I'm struck. I'm struck. I, I, I think the call for moderation on these things is is pretty much over because we know that uh, one, the screens are addictive. So uh, the kids, no matter how distracted they're going to be from whatever object they're trying to get at, uh, if it's got bells and whistles or if they're saying, you know, it's not tactile, it's not tangible, they're still just going to like look at the screen. They don't even care what they're watching. I, I'm telling you, I played for my kids earlier today a video of another kid opening toys. I mean, you guys know how, how popular these unpacking videos are, right? Unboxing I, videos? Actually, I didn't know. Oh, you don't? No. Adults watch them. Ad they're so they engrossing. They have millions of views. There are insane amounts of people watching unboxing videos or kids playing with other toys. Ellen, you know that Amelia watches other kids play with toys on YouTube. Do you not? I did not know that. Okay. Yes, you do, <laughs> yes, did know that. You did know I, I that. I did? Yeah. Yes, I you, forgot. You did. You, you yeah, knew that your goddaughter really oh. watches other kids play with toys on YouTube. Um, but anyway... Uh, but you're I right. know she but... watches Project Runway. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Runway Junior? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've gotten to Chop Junior, but we never got to Runway Junior. I think there's oh a call God. for that. That'd that would so be really great. great. No, no, there was, there was one. Nine-year-old Kelly designers. Osborne was involved. I, I think it didn't go far. Oh, it sounds heinous now. Yeah. As soon as you get Kelly Osborne. I, I mean, it didn't, it, it didn't make it. Uh, what were you no, saying, No, what you're going to uh, you're right. The, the 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 whole concept of moderation is you know has to go out the window when you're talking about screens because it's you know it's a virus. Right. There's you can't you can't have moderation with a virus. You can't right. say well we'll we'll allow it to propagate just a little bit here. Right. You have to literally take the screens away from your child if you want them to play with other things. I mean, let's, or never give them any let's, screens. Let's, which apparently is what they do if you are a very high up tech person in Silicon Valley. Well, yeah, not only that, not only that, but I was reading, uh, we've addressed this on the podcast before that, um, that, right, that the people that are selling screens, AKA everybody in Palo Alto and Silicon Valley are, are now having anti-screen schools and anti-screen homes, which is akin to... And even policing their domestic staff to make sure that they right. don't use their screens in the view of right. their, the children which that they are taking care of insane which is um which is you know akin to a, a cigarette ceo saying well I, I know these things are bad so my kids are never going to smoke cigarettes but it's okay for your kids to smoke cigarettes it's okay for you to smoke cigarettes um but now i've also read that it's it's not only is it you know just good practice for the elite but it's also a sign of snobbery. It's it's a sign of higher oh, class. Oh, you person. let your kids play it's, with screens? Right. What used to be what She's used to be your her What iPad? we used to say in the nineties of like, oh, I don't have a TV. I don't own a TV. The nineties. I read books. They, people were saying that in the sixties. That, well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm sorry, my, I only experienced it in the nineties of people people poo pooing television as right. you know something so low class. Now the same thing is true of screens. It's, oh God, you have screens in your home? How could you? That's, that's so gauche. Really? That's what you're spending your money on? What else is that? Oh, but David, you, you bring up a good point about the virus thing because, I mean, let's play this one out in any average American home. In terms of moderation, what are you going to do? You're going to let your kid play on a screen for an hour and then say to them, no, now it's off and you have to play with something else. What do you imagine happens then? No, but mm. people do have... Revolt and tantrum. I mean, Total no, fucking tantrum. I, I, I don't know. Or you go the other way. You go the other way and it's the vegetable argument, right? It's you can't have your dessert until you eat your broccoli. Right. You can't have your screen until you play with blocks for an hour. How <laughs> well is that going to work? Clay, it's, it's, I thought it was more like... You can't use a screen until you've done your homework. But you're t we're talking about smaller. But we're talking now. about play. Right. We're right. not even talking about doing your homework. I we're mean, saying, I would. So we're saying I fall down on the side of eliminate the screens altogether, <laughs> except for TV, <laughs> occasionally. Um, but TV so, is the least interactive of them all. I know it's my favorite. So though. if you were going with, you know, what is what is actually going to be stimulating? A game on a phone is more interactive than watching uh, 
seven hundredth iteration of a Disney movie. It's more not that there but, I know of any children who know, would ever do that. But David, you know what I will say about a Disney movie or about watching uh, you know, Pete the Cat or or Sesame Street is that at least there's story. Right? At least narrative. there's at least there's narrative or there's literary elements to it. Or there's like language whereas if you're just playing fruit if you're a kid just playing fruit ninja that's ridiculous i don't think that is engaging no i mean i think that's just bring chopping back at mr a rogers okay i guess it depends on the game i think it depends on the i think it depends on everything right. but okay um you know uh, but moo you you ellen you brought up uh you brought up homework and and the idea of like you know doing doing academics doing something that you know makes these things worth it and i i think it's it's important to draw all of this stuff back to school. So, you know, this this article was speaking to, you know, bringing physicality back to play and bringing creativity back to play. Um, but, you know, somewhere along the way, we did lose, probably in No Child Left Behind, we did lose a lot of play from school. And uh, we have here this article, again, courtesy of Parents of the Pod, P.O.P., P.O.P. people, um, this article about recess uh, from, again, the New York Times. States consider longer school recess and the adults aren't complaining. From Laura M. Holson, February 28, 2019. Four years ago, Lucy Dathan moved to New Canaan, Connecticut, where she enrolled her three children in public elementary school. They met new classmates, their teachers were attentive, but something was amiss. Recess was limited to a 20-minute break after lunch, or about half the time as their uh, as at their previous school in California. Miss Dathan said a shift in her children's mood was palpable. They found it difficult to focus on homework. They were restless and sometimes cranky after school, which she attributed to pent-up energy. With so little time for schoolyard play, she worried they were losing the ability to navigate personal relationships. Quote, it was hard for them to adjust to only one recess, she said in an interview. So Ms. Dathan, who was elected to the Connecticut legislature in November, agreed to support a state bill that would require schools to provide at least 50 minutes of daily undirected play for students enrolled in preschool through fifth grade. Now I want to say that again. So they went from 20 minutes of recess, period, to this bill supporting 50 minutes of undirected play now an editorial note here undirected play could be something other than recess too and recess also can be directed play so this this bill goes this bill is doing a few things at once we'll we'll, we'll dissect a little bit more later and again kindergarten or pre-k through fifth grade quote I haven't had one person ask, why are you doing this? She said of the parents and teachers who have contacted her. I think playtime fosters the creativity that we need to solve crazy world problems like global warming or other issues we need to face as a planet. Ms. Daffin is not alone in her observation. Last April, Arizona legislators passed a law that provided two daily recesses for the state's elementary schools, two separate recesses. Teachers have already seen encouraging results reporting fewer disciplinary actions, enhanced test scores, and improvement in children's overall health. And last week, youngsters from Arkansas, where a similar move is also being considered, sent letters to state legislators asking they be given a longer recess break. The current discussion around playtime reflects an emerging body of thought about creativity in childhood. I'm gonna pause right here, and then we're gonna stop in a minute to say this is not new research. This is not new thought. Right. This is very old thought that is just coming back into focus. Neuroscientists and others say creative problem solving will be essential <laughs> for the future as computers become more powerful and artificial intelligence commonplace. Again, I'm going to pause to editorialize. Creative problem solving will never go out of fashion regardless of what computers or artificial intelligence are doing. That's a dumbass point, New York Times. The point is creative problem solving makes sense. Uh, Quote, 
Creativity in children involves the ability to make things up and generate ideas on their own, said Sandra Russ, a professor of the Department of Psychological Sciences at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. That includes group play, storytelling, and building with blocks and other toys that stimulate, not inhibit, wonder and curiosity. I'm going to stop there. Your thoughts. Well, I just, I actually have just a really silly logistical question. Like, how many minutes of quote unquote recess or unstructured play did you have in your pre K through fifth grade? Sure. So, in my pre K through fifth grade, and I can speak to this generally as all of those years inclusive because they were pretty much the same, I probably had um, at least. 30 to 35 minutes of recess after that was lunch. after lunch um well i won't even specify that just yet um but i definitely had at least 30 to 35 minutes of recess um a day every day five days a week um on top of which i also had probably at least an hour of project time which was um you know choice time that was that was time that i could play any way that i wanted in a classroom in a classroom because recess is outside because recess is outside but this was this was unstructured time in a way that i could be playing as they just mentioned with blocks or with dolls or with the, the dress class up pet or, or dress up dramatic you play. could be doing art i could be cooking i could be you know it was any number of things some of them more structured, some of them less structured, but none of them directed by a teacher necessarily. None of them saying, Gabriel, this is what you're doing now. Right. So again, probably amounting to an hour and a half of me time every day. Um, now you mentioned recess at the end of lunch. That was true sometimes. There were also times where our school tried recess at the end of the day which I think is a thing that the Arizona state legislature is getting at too, which is that, um, you know, recess after lunch is fine if you're not feeling like all logie and weighed down from your lunch, but some kids fucking cramp, you know, after just scarfing down hamburgers and fries, and maybe you're not feeling like running around at that particular moment, you know, so sometimes recess in the morning or recess in the afternoon are also beneficial. An, an outdoor time. I mean, I'm thinking like pre-K through something or other. There were outdoor times that your school would have. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of narrowing it down. Recess doesn't have to be outdoors. Recess could be indoors too. You can have recess in a gym. I think the thing about recess is it should be just unstructured. Well, let's completely. just call it play then. Well, let's just call it play then. Yeah, let's Fine. just call it play. Let's just call it play. Right. So, but okay, so let's get back to then Miss Dathan's point. Miss Dathan went to Connecticut from California and she saw that her, her children, her three children of various school ages were getting 20 minutes of play every day. So that means in their classrooms, they had nothing that was unstructured. Everything That's was my assessment lesson what she's to writing. lesson to lesson. <laughs> yes. So they also, so they, cause she talks about, they didn't have any running around time. Uh, well, and they didn't have any creative time. And any creativity, correct. Right. Because, because when we're talking about a lot of the lessons that kids are doing in classrooms, they're not creative. There's, there's... Right. Even sometimes when you have your kid go to art or music or drama, it's not necessarily creative. Uh, they can go to art and it be paint by numbers. I mean... Well, or instructed, yeah. Or it instructed. It doesn't even have to be paint by numbers, well, but right. instructed. Right. Yeah. So... Um, it's so, interesting to me, though, that she says that nobody has questioned, nobody has asked her, why Why are you doing this? Right. In other words, she's gotten no pushback. No pushback whatsoever. But I'm, that's kind of surprising in this era of why isn't my child getting more homework? Why isn't my child working, you know, on their SATs in third grade? So I think, environment? so I think if I can address that uh, from the text, I think that the reason she's getting no pushback or the reason why, because you're, you're very apt to point out that parents are, are, are often want to say, you know, why isn't my kid reading in 
pre-K or mm-hmm. writing their name as a three-year-old, et cetera, et cetera, you know, whatever, um, or doing analogies in first grade. And where's um, the coding already? <laughs> where's, where's the coding? The coding? Um, but to, 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 to answer why isn't there pushback is what she said about less, um, less like fucking moodiness when it comes to homework, right? Less disciplinary actions, right? These are parents that are now not getting phone calls home and being told your child was a monster today because their child actually got the play that they deserved. Their child actually got to experience something and express right. themselves but, in a way that they hadn't before. Right. But the fact that it might be good for children, which I think we're all assuming is has been demonstrated, right. doesn't mean that parents are going to appreciate it. Parents can can look at the issue and say, "My child needs to suffer more. My child needs." You're to work absolutely harder. right. No, you're you're <laughs> you're absolutely right. And as I've said on the podcast before, I, I've never gone a year without a parent saying to me, "You know, you can hit my kid, right? You can no. feel free to just smack that kid around if they're giving you any kind of lip or anything." Um, so you're right. There are definitely parents out there that want their kids to suffer, and parents that also just think that school should be, you know, a you know sort of fascist, you know, regiment purgatory, right? Um, but I think, right, I, I guess you're right. They're, they're, she's not expressing any pushback. Uh, my, my imagination would say that they've, they've got to put out a pretty good press release on why they're doing that policy, right, in order to get parents to be on board with it. Because mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, the, the, the parent mafia can be... Excessive. No, but I mean, I also am wondering how they're getting teachers on board with it and how they're getting teachers to look at their classrooms and choice in their classrooms differently and unstructured time. You know, aren't there a lot of teachers who are conditioned to want to produce in a way that... Absolutely. Absolutely. But Ellen, also, if you say this is a bill, if you say this is state legislature... This is mandated. You have to do it. It's not about convincing the teachers. It's about saying to the principals. It's about saying to management, you have to do this. Find the time. Mm -hmm. Schedule it for the teachers. Do what you have to. You are not meeting our demands if you are legal obligations if you do not do this. But you're going to have teachers who are saying, well, you know, you want me want me me to prepare these kids for a test that is in a month. I need more time to prepare them for the test and not running around doing nothing. Well, I'm going to break news to both of you that I think isn't news to either of you, but might be news to the parents in Connecticut or the parents in other states or the listeners at home, which is that, again, the the point about creativity and problem solving and social skills and relationships that all of this stuff is building that these guys in The Times think is important for coding and is important for artificial intelligence or like having a relationship with a robot like in the movie Her or something is really the stuff that actually will help them benefit on the state standards or the common core standards or the tests. I mean, You mean because no they'll develop coping skills? Yeah, and... exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Right. Coping skills, language skills, relational skills. They will learn from each other and themselves more than they ever will from just sitting and being lectured at in the third grade. Or learning things by rote. Or learning things by rote. Which, I mean, listen, I don't even believe it's a thing. I mean, you can rote a thing by You can memorize a thing by rote. I don't know if I'd call that learning. I think it is how I learned math. <laughs> and I unlearned yeah, it just how good, as quickly. Ellen, how good are you at math really right now? Really bad, really bad. <laughs> really bad. So you didn't really. No. Uh, as we know about the plasticity of the brain, you just, you know, that shit fell right out of you. Um, anyway, all of that is to get us to this point, which is the final call on the Doritos quadrant. Tell us. So Pauline, wife of the pod, this is a family affair today. Pauline has elected that Doritos Diablo is the pick the cardboard conundrum it's the best is the pick to go against cheetos shots Mm -hmm. cheetos shots okay 
Uh, so, uh, David, you say that you're outvoted, but your favorite to to win it all is still fully, fully in this competition. So, Doritos Diablo against Cheetos Shots. What are your guys' thoughts? Mm. You know, trying some shots again, I have to say, well, they have, they really have a kick. Yes. Compared to cardboard, yes. But I actually... <laughs> Prefer the cardboard. <laughs> I prefer the cardboard. Well, here's the thing. Buying a little pack, first of all, I don't buy chips generally, but buying a little packet of these things feels ridiculous to me. To so buy tiny. these and, and eat them. Okay. Seems ridiculous. Sure. But if you were going to a party and there was a bowl of these, yes. you might dig into it. I mean, a bowl of shots sounds... Very fun. Just get a handful out of yeah. that bowl. Yeah, I think it's plus a drink to kind wash of, off the kind of too much. I'm telling you, the cardboard, the construction material, the orange speckled construction material. I think. And this is unbelievable. I, I've got to be fully transparent and tell the audience members at home that you know I tried the Diablo again during the commercial break and. They are the most flavorless thing I have ever put into my mouth. <laughs> We're just short sitting of, here eating them. Short of white rice. <laughs> they have zero Come going on. on. I don't... They have some pepper to them. I don't well, know you, that you they both do. You the, the shots? I'm, I'm still waiting for, for uh, David to make his selection here. He's just—he's munching right. away. I think he's, he's, he's deliberating. I think David I, might be filibustering. You know, we might have to call no, I think, an end to the filibuster on the Dolphins. I'm tempted to vote against the Diablos, but my behavior indicates that I actually can eat them. Yes, yeah, because you've been eating, eating them. Bad eating them. I actually haven't been eating those other things, right. the, the little shoddy things, because they're so odd. Okay, they're not appealing. So, I, I mean, guess, I, I thought I guess I, Diablo is uh, is taking the whole thing. Now. I thought you were avoiding the shots just because you were afraid of like, again, just gulping them down because there's you know got to be like maybe so thirty five of them in the entire bag, uh, in the entire little pouch there. Yeah, uh, they're kind of like hot nuts or something. Well, uh, I'm speculating that those are actually the detritus of from some other manufacturing process at the Cheetos plant. Yeah. And they, they fall to the bottom of the of yeah. all the trays and they're swept up and then sold only in Mexico because yeah. the regulations in the US, which haven't been eliminated yet by the Trump administration, uh, uh, require that you can't sell factory sweeping that's as, right. the, as a food. That's right. The 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 long lost uh Louis Sinclair uh Novel Sinclair Lewis, yes. <laughs> Sinclair Lewis novel, uh, the sequel to The Jungle, uh, right. about strictly about Mexican PepsiCo plants and what gets swept up and bagged. Right, you'll never eat again once All you right, eat All right, well, uh, Diablo so, wins. So I think, folks, you've heard it. Diablo, ding, ding, ding. Doritos Diablo is advancing to the final four where it will face some dreadful, dreadful talent, uh, such as the likes of uh, Carrot Cake Oreos. Oh my God. Carrot, Carrot Cake, cake won the Oreos That's quadrant. Correct. And, Do you have any here today? We might still have some around. And my God, I'm struggling to think of what Tony selected. I'm fucking Triscuit. Now I can't oh. even remember. Well, there's so many good Triscuits. I think it was, it was a brand new one. I think it was Jalapeno and quinoa Triscuit or something. My God. How the All snacks right. have well, evolved. You know. I mean I do think that you should we should do a snack bracket one day on Indian snacks. Oh yes. Yes. So I mean that was listen, uh uh for those of you at home, this this again being the first ever international, you know, reach around here on the snack bracket, uh with our Mexican our Mexican pouches, um this is just an invitation. We will be having uh, a a German uh, snack off oh, uh, yeah. with uh, co-host co Colin and and you guys, fresh off your India Sri Lankan excursion, have much to share about the spices of the of the old world or of the uh, the Orient, whatever <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, 
subcontinent. Whatever it was Columbus was the looking for. The subcontinent. And all That's those right. spices and all that stuff. You know. Listen, I'm telling you, just masala peanuts. Just plain oh. old masala peanuts. Oh, masala yeah. peanuts. Which you can mm. buy. The death of so beans. Good. Yeah. All so you good. want. God. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. So thank you both again for being here, as always. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank uh, you for having for, us in your studio. For the fans, and we hope to have you again soon. Any any parting words or any things you'd like to plug, David? Uh, just, you know, listen to the Will's Band of the Week podcast. Will's Band of the Week podcast. We will put it in the show notes. We will put a link to Will's Band of the Week. Fantastic podcast, fresh off their South by Southwest tour. Ellen, any news from Austin? Any any? Hot no, spots? no, I, I I have nothing really to add here. Uh, yeah, Austin is cool, even if you don't go to all the concerts for in South by Southwest. Cool any, place. Any any good graphic novels you've read lately? Uh, no, but nothing I have know. watched a lot of um, uh, Indian movies and TV shows. Um, can't think of the names right now, but I'll bring them next time. Bring them next time. I mean, you got me onto The Indian Detective, which is probably my favorite show from 2018. Well, there's actually one on, is it on Netflix? Um, Made in Heaven? Oh, yes. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. It's on Amazon. Amazon. Yes. Made in Heaven. For very good things. It's good. All right. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks again. And thank you for listening. See you next time. Adult Crayons is a free and independent podcast supported by listeners like you. To show us support and keep us free, stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash and write into us at dullcrayons at gmail.com. Along with our hosts for this episode, we'd like to thank Jesse Katz and Gwen Gallitzer for the theme music and Colin Matthews for the logo.